Joan of Arc, The Story of Her Life. 1425, a family garden in Domremy, France. 13-year-old Joan of Arc was working alone in her father's garden when the church bells started ringing. Joan stopped what she was doing and fell to her knees to pray. As she did so, she saw a bright light and heard a voice coming from the direction of the church. She heard a voice tell her to be a good girl and go to church often. Joan heard the, the voice identify itself as St. Michael. Jo as Joan shaded her eyes from the light, she saw the royal patron saint. Joan felt as if she were in a dream and did not hear her friend calling her. Jim, Jim, oh, there you are. Are you sleeping? I've been calling you. Joan looked up at her friend. The lady quickly stepped back. Your eyes, they are so bright. Have you got the fever? No, I'm very well. Are you sure? Yes. Then let us go play. No, I must go to church. You went this morning. I must go again. Joan went to church to thank God for St. Michael's visit. She did not know that she would receive many more visits from St. Michael and from St. Catherine and St. Margaret too. Three years later, a secluded chapel in the woods near Donnelly. Joan was alone praying when she had another vision. She heard a voice telling her that she must drive the English out of France and bring the king to be crowned. The voice urged her to go, telling her that God would come to her aid. France was in the middle of a war, now called the Hundred Year War, that had been raging on for decades. The English were quickly gaining ground with the help of the ally, the Duke of Burgundy and there were no strong leader to stop them. Before his death, the mad French king, Charles VI, signed a treaty passing the French crown not to his son, as was traditional, but to his daughter's son instead. Since his daughter was married to the king of England, this meant that the French crown would one day pass to the king of England. The rightful heir, Charles VII, was known as the Dauphin, the eldest son of the king, and not king because he was never crowned. This was due to the fact that rhymes where coronations had taken place for hundreds of years was in, ten, was in enemy territory. At first, Joan did nothing, feeling she knew nothing of war. She also knew her parents would never let her leave. But the voices she heard became more and more insistent. Again, she heard a voice telling her to go to Volacures to see the governor, Robert D. Bradford and to ask him to send her the right to king. Later that year, inside the governor's mansion at Volucares, Joan found that she could no longer ignore the voices she heard. She ran away to Volucares and got Vladecourt to grant her an audience. What is it you wish? It is the will of my lord that the dolphin be made king and have the realm in his command. Who is your lord? It is the king of heaven. <laughs> is that so? Take her home to her father. Tell him to box her ears. John went home feeling foolish and discouraged. Fall 1429, back in Donrum. After Joan returned home, much happened to make her even more aware of her country's need for help. In October, Burgundians attacked Joan's town of Donnery. Although most of the town's inhabitants escaped unharmed, much of Donnery was burned to the ground. At around the same time, the English laid siege to Orleans, one of the most important cities remaining in the control of France. Joan's wishes became more insistent than ever, this time urging her to
to go and relieve the siege of Orleans. Joan's parents worried as their daughter kept more and more to herself. Joan's father spoke to her about his fears. I dreamed that you would go off with soldiers. If I thought such, such a thing could happen, I would drown you. Joan did not answer until her father had walked away. Had I 100 fathers and 100 mothers, I would still go. Early 1429, back in Volucures. Joan went back to the Volucures. I have come to see Robert de Bradicourt. He refuses to see you. Yet I must go to the king, even if I have to walk my feet off to my knees. Is it not necessary that the king should be driven from the kingdom and that we should become English? No, but I must help him. My lord wants me to. Who is your lord? It is God. Joan's fierce belief won over the night. I promise that God willing will take you to the king. When do you want to go? Rather now than tomorrow, rather tomorrow than later. Shortly thereafter, word of the girl from Don Remy reached the royal castle at Chirp. Charles sat for John. The people of Volleycares gave Joan a tunic and leggings so that she could travel more comfortably. They also gave her a horse. Joan sat on this horse at the gates of Volleycares. Joan, Joan de Metz, his squire and archer, the royal messenger, and three servants were setting off to Chirp. Are you not frightened? It is a long journey, and there are many enemy soldiers about. I'm not afraid. God, my lord, will clear the road for me to go to the dolphin. I was bored for this. Go then, come what may. With those words, Joan and the others set off on their long journey to Trent. February 1429, at the royal castle at Trent. Several days after her arrival, Joan was summoned to the court to meet the dolphin. He hid himself, but Joan went straight to him and fell to her knees. God give you life, gentle dolphin. How do you know me? I should know you well from all the others. What is it you wish? I come and am sent by God to bring aid to you and your kingdom. What will you do? I will raise the siege of Orleans and I will take you to be crowned and consecrated in the city of Rheims. For a king to be properly crowned, the French believed the ceremony had to take place at Reims, where the first Christian king of France had been crowned in 496. But Reims was in deep territory held by the English and the Burgundians. This made it difficult, if not impossible, for Charles to be crowned there. How will you do these things? With the help of God and you, I will need troops, arms, and horses. I must talk to my advisors. Do not delay. You must use me quickly. I will last but a year, scarcely more. Charles' advisor suggested he send Joan to Poitiers to be investigated by one man of the church to make sure she was sent by God, not the devil. March 1429, at a hall in Poitiers. Joan sat in front of the churchman at Poitiers. Do you know why you are here? Yes, but your questions waste valuable time. We must test you to learn. I know not A from B, but I come on behalf of the King of Heaven to raise the siege of Orleans, and I leave the and lead the dolphin to be to rhymes for his coronation. Can you show us clear signs you are from God? I have not come to Poitiers to make signs. Take me to Orleans and I will show you the signs for which I have been sent. The investigation dragged on for weeks. Finally, after much questioning and a thorough background search, the churchmen reached their, their conclusion. We pronounce Joan of Arc, a good Christ Christian and a good Catholic, the ready wisdom and her responses and the goodness of her life weigh in favor of her mission being a divine one. 
When Charles heard the commission's report, he gave Joan permission to prepare for battle. On April 27, 1429, Joan and an army of 4,000 marched for Orleans, led by a company of priests. May 4, 1429, Orleans. Joan was anxious to begin driving out the English from the moment she arrived at o in Orleans on April 29, but she was told by the army's officers to wait. She waited. Finally, on the afternoon of May 4th, she jumped up from a nap and knew she could wait no more. She quickly called on Jean de Metz. In God's name, my council has told me I must attack the English. Joan and Mez quickly armed themselves, mounted their horses, and rode to Orleans Burgundy Gate. Joan held her battle standard high. As they rode, they passed many wounded Frenchmen running back to the city. Without telling Joan, the French army had launched a surprise attack on the English for St. Luke. The French army was in full retreat as Joan and Metz approached the fort. It appears the French have already lost this battle. Joan held her standard higher. Not yet! Turn back! In the name of the Lord! The French troops rallied when they saw Joan's banner. They cheered and turned back with vengeance. The English quickly surrendered. It was the first time during the seven-month siege that the French had captured an English fort. May 7th, 1429, outside Orleans. Joan got up before dawn to attend mass before setting out with the army to attack Les Torres, the strongest English fort for miles around. She spoke with Jean de Mez before battle. Keep close to me today, because I will have much to do, and I will be wounded above the heart. Joan was wounded, just as she had foretold, when an arrow pierced her shoulder. Many friends had fallen, and the army was making little headway in capturing the fort. Several commanders wanted to end the day's fighting. Joan refused to quit. In God's name, you will soon enter the fortress, never doubt it. The soldiers hesitated. Rest for a while, eat, drink. The soldiers did as they were told. Joan, whose wound was dressed, found a quiet spot to pray. After 15 minutes, she came back and mounted her horse. She held her standard in her good arm and summoned the troops. Go boldly in the name of the Lord. The French troops stormed the towers of the fort with renewed energy. Les Torres was taken. The next morning, the English abandoned all the forts in the area. In just days, Joan helped end England's seven-month occupation of Orleans. July 17, 1429, the Cathedral at Reims. After her victory at Orleans, Charles pursued the second goal her voices had given her, to take Charles to be crowned at Reims. It was a dangerous journey, and at first Charles was reluctant to make it. Joan convinced him that God was on their side, and they made the journey, as much military advance as were a procession, safely. Charles entered the huge the huge Gothic cathedral and made the cheers of his people. He proceeded to the altar to kneel in front of the archbishop. Joan, holding her standard high, stood by his side. Do you, Charles, swear to defend the church, preserve your people, and govern them with justice? I do. The archbishop anointed Charles with with sacred oil. Then he placed the royal crown on his head. I now pronounce you king by the grace of God. Joan <laughs> knelt before the king, embraced his legs, and wept. Gentle king, now is done. God's pleasure. 
You are the true king, and the kingdom of France belongs to you. The audience cheered and trumpets blared. May 23rd, 1430, Compet. Things went downhill for Joan after Charles' coronation. She wanted to reclaim all of France for a king, but Charles wanted to wait and see what could be worked out diplomatically. He gave Joan very little support when she tried to reclaim Paris, and she lost the battle. Still, Joan's voices told her to continue her fight, and Joan listened to the voices she heard. She knew that while Charles waited, more and more of France was being lost. When Joan learned that the Burgundians had laid siege to the campaign, a town that had always been loyal to Charles, she immediately gathered her troops and went there. Welcome, we have prayed for help. Duke Philip has just taken Marigny, the town across the river. My men rode all night. After they rest, we'll attack, attack Marigny and drive the Burgundians back. Later that day, Joan led about 400 knights out the town's gate and over the drawbridge towards Marigny. But the Burgundians saw them coming and called for reinforcements. As the Burgundian forces poured in from all directions, the French began to panic and turned back towards Compagne. Do not turn back. God is with us. We shall be, be victorious. Few heard or heeded Joan's words as they retreated back to combat. Commander Flavie watched from his post inside the town as French knights poured back into the city with the Burgundians in hot pursuit. Quick, take up the drawbridge. Close the town's gates. Most of the French had made it safely inside the town. But Joan, who was the leader, had taken the most dangerous position at the rear of the retreat, did not. An archer grabbed Joan's cloak and yanked it off her horse. She was captured. As Joan told Charles, she had lasted less than a year. February to May, 1431, Rome, France. The English were delighted to learn of Joan's capture. While the French believed Joan was working with God, the English believed she was working with the devil. The English paid the Burgundians a kindly ransom of 10,000 francs to make Joan their prisoner. The English then turned Joan over to the local pro-English church to try, to, to try her for witchcraft, among other things. They hoped the trial would get rid of Joan and make Charles look bad at the same time. Although church trials were usually held in Paris, Joan was Order tried in Rome, the most English city in France. She was thrown into a filthy prison cell in the English castle at Rome. On the first day of her trial, Joan was brought before two judges and a dozen of priests called assessors. The chief judge was Archbishop was Bishop Caution. You swear to tell the truth throughout the trial. Concerning most matters, I will willingly swear to tell the truth. Most matters, not all. I have been told by my secret counsel to reveal my visions to nobody. You must answer us fully and truthfully. I have greater fear of displeasing my voices than I have of not answering you. Caution looked at the other judge, then decided to proceed. Let us begin our questioning. As a child, did you have a great desire to defeat the Burgundians? I had a great desire that my king should have his kingdom. Does God hate the English? As for the love or hate God has for the English, I know nothing, but I know they will be driven out of France. 
Why were you chosen to lead this fight? It pleased God to use a simple maid to drive out the king's enemies. The trial lasted for months. Caution and his supporters had trouble proving Joan was a witch. But given Joan's independent spirit, they had no trouble finding a charge that would stick. We believe your voices are evil. But they come from God. Only a church official inspired by God is capable of determining such the origin of determining the origin of such voices. And we say yours come from the devil. But everything good I have done, I have done on command by my voices. You say you owe submissions to God. But do you believe you owe submissions to God's church on earth? Yes, but God shall be served fifth. The churchmen found another example of her disobedience. It is a crime against God for a woman to wear men's clothes. These clothes do not bid in my soul. You are disobeying your church when you wear those clothes. I am obeying my God. You must submit the decisions of the church. In my opinion, God and the church are one. Why do you make such difficulties? Of the twelve formal charges made against Joan, the most serious was that Joan would not submit to the church on earth, but to God only. After making the charges, the churchmen tried to make Joan confess, but she would not say she was wrong. Even when they took her to the castle's torture chamber, Joan did make one short life confession when she was first shown a stake where she could burn if she did not recant. But Joan withdrew her confession within days, saying she was wrong to confess because of her fear of fire. On May 28th, Bishop Caution pronounced Joan a relapsed heretic and sentenced her to death. May 30th, 1431, the town square at Shortly after dawn, Joan was taken to the executioner's cart to the town square. There, on a high platform that all could see, was a scaffold with a stake and wood ready for burning. Oh, how they've been seven times beheaded then burned! Joan was led to a platform where Bishop Caution was waiting for her. We cast you forth from the church as an infected limb and hand you over to the circular justice. Bishop, I die through you. You die because you return to your formal evil doing. Joan fell to her knees to pray, but was quickly seized by the executioner and tied to the stake. Will someone give me a cross? An English soldier quickly made a small cross out of sticks and handed it to Joan. She kissed it and held it to her breast. I ask one more thing. I wish to look at the crucifix from the church. One of the churchmen went to the church and brought back the crucifix. He held it high in front of Joan. Forgive me as I have forgiven you. Joan died crying out to her saints and her God. Afterwards. The English were finally forced out of most of France in 1553, 22 years after Joan's death. In 1556, the Pope declared Joan innocent and her trial null and void. In 1920, the Roman Catholic Church made Joan of Arc a saint. The end. Credits. Kristen as Joan of Arc. Mimi as Javier. Noah as Charles. Jenny as narrator too. Eliza as Robert de Bodicourt and Bishop Caution. Annie as narrator one. Ty as Archbishop. Ronnie as Jack Weasley Arc, Churchman. Guerme de Flavi and Assessors one through three. Jared as Jean de Matisse.